Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. the number one cause of stress? I mean, it's for you, for people you know, people that you love. Do you, do you know what the, the number one thing, and it just causes so much pain, pain in relationships, pain in marriages, it causes people, I mean, really good people to make really bad decisions, regrettable decisions. See, Today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes specifically about money, your money, your finances. Few things have the power to throw our lives into chaos like financial stress. I mean, let's be honest, an out-of-control financial picture leaves us vulnerable to unspeakable pain. I mean, you or someone you know underwater financially, and you just feel overwhelmed by bills and overwhelmed by debt, and the, and the cost of living just keeps climbing, and you dread the first of the month when you got to pay the bills. See, the truth is a dysfunctional relationship with money results in an ever-present feeling of being beset and besieged, and there's just no way to live healthy and whole and free if your relationship with money is out of control. Now, anytime we talk about this topic, anytime we talk about money and finances, the room always goes quiet. Why? Because when we talk about money and finances, many of you, you begin to feel embarrassed and you begin to feel these emotions called guilt and shame. And you think, man, I've, I've messed up. I, I'm in a deep hole. I'm covered in debt. And I just don't want anyone to know. By the way, the goal today is not to make you feel guilt and shame. It's actually to help you be free and healthy. Another response when we talk about this topic is like, oh, here we go again. I mean, that's all churches talk about is money. And, and that's why I like, or at least I did like Miami Church, because you don't pressure me around money, but here we go. Can I just say that as a pastor, I frequently fight the stereotype that what pastors really care about is getting people to give more money. Because the truth is we've all seen or heard or experienced money-grabbing church leaders who focus seems to be on lining their own pockets. Now, I can't speak for those guys, but I'm compelled to address the issue of money because of the pain and the strain and the stress that it causes you and your relationships and your marriage. And because I see so many make people make choices and decisions around this, I, I'm compelled to address the issue of money because you can't ignore the crystal clear teachings of Jesus and the early church on this topic. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. 
11 out of 39 of his parables, they're about this topic. And so it's obvious that a right relationship with money is important to Jesus. And as a pastor, and as your pastor, I take this responsibility very seriously. And I'm unapologetic when it comes to talking about money because I have witnessed up close the freedom that a right relationship with money can bring you. Time and again, I've seen life-changing peace permeate people's hearts when they surrender their, their finances to God's guidance. I've experienced this peace myself, and I, and I want it for you as well. You know why? Jesus talks so much about money and stuff and finances. Because he wants all your money? No. <laughs> no. He doesn't want or need your money. And I guess a secondary question would be, is it even your money? But the, the reason Jesus talks about this is, is he knows. It's not even about the money. It's not even about the finance. It's not about stuff. It's actually about you. It's about your heart. If you know anything about Jesus, you've probably heard these famous words that he said. They're found in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, where your money is, how you spend and invest your money, it reveals your priority. It reveals your heart. And Jesus says, this is actually a heart issue, that, that your money and your heart are actually aligned. And this is why it's so important to Jesus. And this is why he talks about it so much. I want to spend a few minutes today looking at a, at a person. I want to look at a guy who actually had a fractured relationship with money. And his terrible financial mindset left him just feeling overwhelmed, full of guilt and shame. And the story is recorded in Luke chapter 19. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was a wealthy man. Now, he's setting the context here, and that was very important for first century readers. And it actually, today, it gives some historical validity. So we got Jericho, we got Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector, and he is actually wealthy. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. He was so compelled to see Jesus that he climbed a tree. This reminds me of a kid's song, right? The idea of a, of a short man, a little man in a tree. Now, why is Luke telling us this story? See, Luke was a Greek doctor who recorded eyewitness. Why is he telling us this? Look what he says, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus reached the spot. He stopped. He looked up. He engaged. And notice Zacchaeus' response. It was immediate. Verse 7 says that all the people saw this. They began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. Now why would they say that? Now, you got to understand, right? you got to understand context. In that culture, a tax collector was the most despised and hated person. 
See, the region was under Roman rule. This was the time of the Roman Empire. And their system for tax collection was that they would take Jewish people to collect taxes from their own people. And then whatever the surplus they collected, they could actually keep for themselves. And so tax collectors are deceitful traders. And Luke tells us that Zacchaeus, he's, he's wealthy. He's actually good at being a tax collector. He used the system to his advantage, and he made lots and lots of money. But he probably didn't have a lot of friends. Now, even if you're not a Bible person, you probably have some familiarity with the story. Short guy, tree. But sometimes the familiarity with the, the story, it causes us to miss the raw and human element. Zacchaeus has a carefully constructed rich, rich man facade. But if you look closely, you can see the emotional undercurrents of his messed up life bubbling through the cracks. Luke tells us that because Zacchaeus is short in stature, that he needs to climb a tree so he can catch a glimpse, so he can see Jesus. He couldn't see over the heads of the, of the, of the crowd. Like, Really? I mean, what's going to drive a wealthy man to go to this extremes? I mean, he's sacrificing his dignity. He's hiking up his, his tunic and climbing a tree in broad daylight on a crowded street. I mean, why? Why is he so determined to see Jesus? I mean, almost everyone at that time, they'd heard of Jesus, right? He's a teacher. He's a, he's a miracle worker. For the past couple of years, Jesus had been healing people and feeding them with miraculous multiplications of bread and fish. He'd been turning water into wine. The word was out. I mean, per, perhaps Zacchaeus simply was a Jesus fan, you know, like people that crowd around movie or sports stars looking for an autograph. I mean, no doubt plenty, plenty of people in Jericho were crowding Jesus in, in that kind of way. I mean, Zacchaeus could have been a, a mere curiosity seeker. But Zacchaeus took it a step further. He, he risked ridicule by climbing a tree. And this seems to be an unsettling act of a desperate man. You see, I think Zacchaeus wanted to do more than simply catch a glimpse of Jesus. That he, he actually wanted help. Perhaps Jesus' teachings of grace and forgiveness had, had given hope to a man steeped in guilt for his dishonest ways. I mean, years, maybe decades of exhort, extorting money from his own people on behalf of the Romans had finally caught up to him. Zacchaeus had become wealthy, sure, but he found his riches did not satisfy. In fact, just the opposite. Perhaps this desperate man clung to more than a, than a sycamore tree that day. Maybe he clung to the idea of hope that, that this miracle worker could work a miracle in his life and free him from the bondage of his crippling relationship with money. Not only had Zacchaeus obtained his money unethically, but it seems evident from Luke that he kept all of his ill-gotten gains for himself. Instead of using a portion of his wealth to serve the poor, he ignored them. His money excess lifestyle had caught up to him and corroded his soul, leaving him tortured and guilt-ridden. He was desperate for hope, desperate for relief from guilt and for shame. You ever feel that way? Like, would you be embarrassed 
if people knew how you spent your money? I mean, here's Zacchaeus. He's at a point where, where all of these years of accumulating the shame, it was killing him. And when he heard that this miracle worker was passing through town, a man of compassion, he felt a glimmer of hope and he had to see for himself no matter what. Now the scene is, Jesus is walking. He sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. It's like, what are you doing in a tree? And then he invited himself to, to his house for, for dinner. I mean, can you imagine what kind of house Zacchaeus had? I mean, with his wealth. I mean, it was definitely waterfront. I mean, he had, he had views of Biscayne Bay. And what is Zacchaeus feeling as he opens the door and lets Jesus in? And Jesus walks into this beautiful house, lavish furniture, expensive artwork, all money extorted from his own people. Now, Luke doesn't give us the details of the dinner conversation that night. But we don't get any sense of Jesus pointing his finger at Zacchaeus and condemning him. You, Zacchaeus, you're a terrible person, right? You don't see guilt. You don't see shame. You don't see judgment. But something happened. Something happened in Zacchaeus' heart that, that rocked him to the core. This is a heart issue. And he has this dinner with Jesus, and his life turned upside down. And everything that he'd been living for, it flips on its head and changed. Look what Luke says. He says, Zacchaeus stood up, and he looked at Jesus, and he said, Look, here and now I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Zacchaeus paid back fourfold the money he had cheated, and he, and he showered the poor with half his wealth. And the chains that had kept him a prisoner to his money, they fell to the ground. And he was now free, free of shame and free of guilt. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. See, this is not just a Bible story. See, I've met. I've met people whose lives have been changed by Jesus. They've gone from hate to love, from pride to humility, from self to others. They've had a spiritual reconciliation, a, a financial reconciliation. And Jesus wants for you and me what he wanted for Zacchaeus. Peace, freedom, not guilt, not shame. He wants us to invest our lives, to invest our stuff, to invest our money, to use our resources well, to, to be a blessing to others. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if, if money behaved properly in your life? Like instead of money making you do all of these crazy, insane things it makes you do, could you imagine if, if money no longer had the power to tie you in knots and leave you overwhelmed? I mean, how many people could you actually impact? Could you bless? Now, I want to get really practical with you for just a, a couple of minutes because over the years, as I have been studying and teaching around the life of, the, of Jesus, I, I believe there are some really clear core beliefs or, or principles that if you follow, if you live, they lead to freedom. They lead to wholeness. They, they, they lead to a right relationship with, with money. And, and they push away guilt and they push away shame. Now, I know that many of you who are part of our church are, are, 
are not sure yet. You're exploring the idea of Jesus. And, and when we talk about money, your, your defenses go up. And I can just assure you right now that there's no surprise here. We're not doing like a special offering. We're, we're simply talking about this because Jesus cares about this and he cares about you and he cares about your heart. Here's a couple of the beliefs. Belief number one, all I have comes from God. Jesus principle one, all I have comes from God. None of us got to where we are 100% on our own. We haven't bootstrapped our way to our current position without help. There have been parents and teachers and coaches and mentors and friends and others who have influenced us, who have given us a chance, given us a break. And these were gifts directed our way from God. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, he said it this in his letter to the church, James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavy light, lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God gave you life. He gave you talents and aptitudes. He gave you learning capabilities. He opened up educational and vocational doors for you throughout your life. I mean, can you admit, I didn't get here on my own. Everything I have came my way from a loving heavenly father I mean, can you believe this can you believe that you're a daughter of of the of a loving god can you believe that you're the son of a loving god who has given you everything that you have and he invites you to steward to steward your talents your gifts your education your opportunity your possessions for his purposes in the world all i have comes from god Principle two, Jesus' principle. I live joyfully within God's current provision for my life. See, everything inside of us looks for greener pastures. The grass is greener, right? To wish for better circumstances, more affluence, an easier life. If only, man, I hear this so many times. If only I had a nicer house or a newer car or a better job or if I made more money or if I had fresher clothes or if I got the promotion, then, Greg, I would be happy. This is why debt is such a huge issue. It's a huge, in fact, in fact, one author calls it an epidemic. He says there's an epidemic of death. I mean, according to a, a recent article in CNBC from just January of this year, U.S. households are spending more on housing, food, gas, transportation, and medical than at any other time. From credit cards to, co to car loans, the average family in the United States owes $155,622. The average family in the United States is covered in debt. See, debt comes from wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging other ways to get it. But friends, you will only know true financial peace when you learn to live joyfully beneath God's provision in every area and season of your life. And what God wants for you and me is joy, peace, freedom. Life is hard. We're here to help. We have tools and resources. If you reach out to us at hello at miamichurch.com, we would love to connect you. See, there's a good news in this story. Like, why is Luke telling us the story of a rich man climbing a tree? See, Zacchaeus, he's not a good person. He has hurt he has manipulated, he has cheated, he has robbed good people. Zacchaeus, his M.O., you know what his M.O. is? Me. 
All about me. The kingdom of me. And in this beautiful picture of, of Jesus, of the gospel, what happens? Jesus walks along. He stops. He looks up. He sees this guy. He invites. And he offers a different path. He gives him a compelling vision. He says, hey, man, there's a different purpose. There is a different meaning. It's like, man, Zacchaeus, you can chase this money. You can chase this stuff. You can be rich. And you know what? You're going to have fun for a while. It's going to feel good for a while. But at the end, it leads to destruction. And it leads to death. And it leads to shame. And it leads to guilt. But what, 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 if, what if your money actually behaved properly in your life? Like, what if instead of money making you do crazy stuff and making insane decisions, what if money no longer had the power over you? What if it didn't control you? See, there's no way to live healthy and whole and free if your relationship with money is out of control. And God wants you to live and to experience freedom and peace and joy, guilt and shame, that is not from him. He wants you to experience peace and joy and freedom. Oh, Luke, why? Why a story about a rich man, a, a mean, hurtful, rich man who climbs a tree? It's not about the tree. It's not about a short guy. It's about the heart. And Jesus wants you. He, he wants your heart. See, see money your, your love affair with money, the way you spend your money, that's a symptom. The root is your heart. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are, are weary and, and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus, he stops. He looks at you and me. He sees us, and he knows. He knows. He knows how we spend our money. He knows the decisions we make. He knows the people we've hurt. But he doesn't see that. He sees you. And he sees me. And then he invites us. He invites us. He says, hey, hey, there's a different path. There's a more compelling vision. There's a, actually a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning. And it's not about you. It's not about how much you have. It's actually about others. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about cooperating or aligning our lives to Jesus. And the good news for you and me is no matter your story, no matter where you are, no matter how much debt you have, no matter what decisions you make, you're invited in that story today. God, thank you. Thank you for this amazing story that Dr. Luke recorded. And that from this, this guy, Zacchaeus, we can learn so much about money, but more than money, we learn about hope, we learn about grace, we learn about forgiveness, ultimately we learn about you in your love affair with us, in your desire for us in our heart. God, I pray that every person listening to me right now, God, will we'll, we'll, we'll do what Zacchaeus did, God, that we'll see, we'll see a flip. And the things that matter, the things that are important won't be there anymore, God, and that we can, that we can actually transform and change it. And whatever blessings we have, talents, give money, it's not for us, for, our, for us to climb up the ladder, God, but so that we can share and give to others. What a powerful message. We love you, and we thank you, and we pray in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at mommychurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.